We talked about the game coming up on Saturday. We talked about everything that's going on exterior uh, from the program and how he's kind of handling the thing. And as the last question, I asked him about signal stealing and things like that. I didn't think he would answer, but he actually gave a really good answer. Uh, surprising answer, to say the least. So you'll hear Kurt Signetti coming up at uh, 3.30 or so, my interview that I literally just did 15 minutes ago uh, with the coach. So um, that is coming up in just a few moments. We will um, give you, uh, we're going to ring up Marty Favrette, the head coach of uh, Hampton Sydney. They've got their huge matchup with Randolph Macon, the 128th edition of the game, and also uh, the final game, unfortunately, for uh, Coach uh, Marty Favrette in his long career, so we'll talk to him about that, and I'll ask him about sign-stealing. Obviously, it's not just a Division One thing. It's not just a college football thing. I'm sure it's a high school thing as well, uh, so he's going to join us in just a couple of minutes uh, here on the show. we got some other stuff to get into. We're going to break down hard the uh, Thursday night football game tonight. Carolina and Chicago, we're going X's and O's. No, we're, we're really not. Um I should put it as a poll, and maybe I will during the break. Um, which are you most? Uh, which would you most likely watch tonight? Carolina, Chicago, UVA, Louisville, or just some random college basketball game? Because I think there's a chance the random college basketball game would win the poll. Uh, there is some stinkers tonight, actually. JMU basketball is in action tonight. They are playing at Kent State as part of the Sun Belt. Um, uh, so the Sunbelt Mac Challenge, which I must I must have missed that because apparently that is a thing now. So um, that is coming up tonight. But we'll certainly tell you about what else is coming up. There's a couple other state schools that are in action. Uh, we will update you that in just a moment. Uh, 327-0888, that is the phone number. Uh, 327-0888, that is the phone number. And the text line 804 is the area code. Tweet me at midmajormat at ESPN Richmond if you want to get involved with the show. By the way, if you wanted to bet in the game tonight, which I hope you don't, the Bears are a three, three and a half point favorite. Total is 38 for that game. 38. Unbelievable. I, I Tyson Badgent against uh, Bryce Young, who has not been, who's been, I, I don't think he's been very good this year. Uh, certainly he has not been CJ Stroud. Um, but that's what we got tonight for Thursday Night Football. Stay tuned as Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet try and uh, sell you this game tonight. I will not be watching. I will be checking out. As I said, I'll watch the Virginia game. Uh, they're 20 and a half point underdog. Totals around 50 and a half. I texted Brad Franklin of CavsCorner.com. I always like to text Brad when it comes to uh, game day and things like that. And I said, does UVA have a chance tonight? And he's like, probably not. Uh, we also do not know who the quarterback is. But we'll get a little bit more into the Virginia game coming up. But Saturday in Ashland, it will be the 128th edition of the game as Randolph-Macon hosts hampton Sydney. Uh, kickoff for that one is at 1 o'clock. Bob is having Pedro on at uh, 4.05. That means I get a chance to catch up with the head coach of hampton Sydney, Marty Favrette. Coach, how's it going? It's good, Matt. I'm getting a little interference in the background. Um, all right, we will uh, figure that out. And well, just... that's better. There we go. That's better. We're good. Excellent. Yeah. Um, so, Coach, obviously a 6-3 a and three season so far. How do you think uh, – what do you think of your team right now entering this game coming up this weekend? Well, we got a good team. I mean, we're six points away from being an undefeated team. We lost two one-point games on in the last 30 seconds. I mean, you can't get those back. But clearly we um, – 
you know, we've been really competitive this year. We've we've played some really close games, but uh, we're veteran laden, and um, I think we're good on both sides of the ball. But certainly a big task coming Saturday. Yeah, motivation doesn't have to be an issue for this one, Coach. How do you approach a game like this to end the season? Obviously, it's a rivalry game. How do you keep your kids' emotions in check, or do you want them to be highly motivated and juiced for this game? Well, obviously, this is my 24th edition, so, you know, every year is a little different. Um, you know, there's been years where, we, many years where we've played for the United Championship. That won't be the case, but you know, I told the kids the other day, we have a unique situation, and, and Macon does as well, where regardless of records, you know, this game is always going to matter. And it's, it, it's, a, it's, it's a national brand. It's a game that you know, gets everyone's attention, and, uh, and you know nobody's playing out the string. It, it's a game that will always have significance and, and has for, for many, many years. How much of your roster do you think you've gone up against Randolph Macon in recruiting? Is it? I mean, I, I'm assuming you guys are both recruiting a lot of the same players. How many of these kids would you say would take it personally? Maybe they were not recruited by Randolph Macon and, and decide to go with you guys instead. Well, I think that always happens within a conference, and and and, and you know the landscape's shifted. We, you know, Richmond's always been a battleground, so certainly. You know, people go, and I think a lot of kids, that's uh, a great question. I'll ask them at practice how many guys at least visited randolph Macon. My guess it's a whole lot. And I'm sure Pedro could ask the same question. And uh, and we both kind of, like, drifted down to North Carolina and South Carolina and kind of gone after some of the same kids because, you know, rivalry aside, they're both really good colleges, really good football programs that have a lot to offer. What kind of momentum do you bring? Obviously, you talked about you've won four of your last five. There were some close losses throughout this season. But the way you won that game against Shenandoah in overtime on senior day, what kind of momentum can you bring from something like that? Oh, it's been huge. I mean, you know, uh, we're having fun, and that would have been a tough one. But uh, to dramatically block an extra point in overtime in front of a really big crowd, and, you know, I get carried off the field, I mean, it was just a. It was a fun day. I, the, clearly, the the football gods were shining down on me in my last home game, and and for our seniors as well. So, yeah, we couldn't have scripted it any better. We beat a good team. You know, we're six and three, and you know we're bringing a better team to Ashland than we did two years ago for sure. Uh, did you call a special play on that blocked extra point, or was that just uh, you know divine intervention potentially? Yeah, the special play was uh, praying up to God and saying, can you just give me this one? Um, I was actually praying for a miss because it's Division Three and PATs on automatic, but uh, James Townsend came off the edge, timed it up perfectly, and, and just got one hand on it, and it was enough to keep it from getting across the upright. So obviously your, your your offense has been tremendous as of late, scoring, you know, you scored 42 against Guilford, 31 against Averitt, 48 against Ferrum. How much is it that Andrew has been very good with regards to keeping the turnovers down? 21 touchdown passes to three interceptions. That's a that's a uh, ratio that I think almost anybody would take. Yeah, and for a guy that was, you know, came in as a backup, uh, it's just been a really extraordinary story and and give our offensive coordinator Lindell Stone credit. He our system is is unique and it suits the skill set that Pooch has. Um, and then Pooch has stepped up, and you know we got really good receivers. We play to our strengths, and he's been able to get the ball out, and he's he's really accurate. And, and uh, it's a fun offense to watch. And you know I think it it's something that uh you know maybe Randolph Macon hasn't seen a whole lot this year. 
You know, it's funny. I'm looking at your statistics. 324 pass attempts, 323 rush attempts. Uh, is that a balance that you kind of want? I mean, obviously, it's very rare in football nowadays that we see almost a 50-50 balance. Is this kind of what you're looking at for this offense? Oh, of course not. I'm a 70-30 pass guy. Uh, no, it's, it, it, it's, it suits us. Um, and, you know, some of those numbers can be misleading because – you know, how many of those runs are coming late in games when you're ahead and all that. But uh, we've been a little more balanced on first down uh, than in years past where I was I was very aggressive on first down. And, you know, we may change that script. I don't want to give it any away. But um, Malik Frost has been a really good player for us. He's dependable. And, you know, and we our, our running backs haven't lost a fumble all year, which I hope I'm not jinxing us. But that's really something special as well. Um, what are some of the challenges you see in, in, in Randolph making coming up this weekend? Well, uh, you could pick anything. I mean, their numbers speak for themselves. They're averaging over 50 points a game. Uh, it'll be the best defense we've seen all year. Uh, they're 9-0 and for a reason. So, you know, we know, I mean, we're, we're going against a legitimate top 10 team uh, nationally that um, I'm sure has high hopes to advance in the playoffs. But we played them tough last year, and I think we have a better team. And I think they probably have a better team. So, you know, it's, it's the making Camp Sydney game, all the cliches. You got to keep your emotions in check. You got to deal with the crowd. Uh, and you got to hope you win the turnover battle. And, and if we can do those things, um, it's going to be very interesting. How much better does college sports? How, how much better can college sports be because of these rivalries? Obviously, you know, in the pros, there was Yankees, Red Sox, but like that's a long time ago. And there's, you know, all these other rivalries, but they kind of fade. It doesn't feel like in college athletics these rivalries ever fade. Well, we are. It's right outside my office. It's it's, it's the oldest small college rivalry in the South, um, and they've been playing since the 1890s. And actually really close. I think we have a couple game edge over all these years. So, you know, it's when the alumni get involved. It's the game, you know, 30 years later, kids will remember what their record was against Macon. And, uh, and I've been really blessed to be a part of, of, of this rivalry and some great games. And I think Coach Aruz and I, this will be our 20th meeting together. I remember the first one like it was yesterday. So, it's special. It's uh, it's unique. It's pure. Um, you know, no one's running around for NIL stuff. We're just out there playing a game we love and with kids that uh, that love the game as well. What are your emotions going to be like? Obviously, we talk about your kids, but what are your emotions going to be like with this being your final game? Oh, I don't know. That <laughs> this past Saturday was 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 not easy, um, and, and I've been going to Randolph Macon since 1990. I think when I was at Catholic, um, a lot of really amazing memories over there, and then some not so amazing memories. But uh, I'll get through it. I'm a big boy, uh, you know. I, you know, I don't want our players focusing on me. It's uh, it, like I said, it's been a great ride, and and what where else to end it than uh, going against a, a really good team at their place. One o'clock on Saturday, Hampton Sydney is at Randolph Macon. Uh, final question for you, Coach. Um, obviously, now that your career is ending, can you talk about when you hear this story coming out of Michigan about sign stealing? Obviously, they went a little bit too far with buying tickets and things like that. But how much do you think stuff like this actually happens on campuses? Were there ever games where you suspected your opponent knew your signals? I'm naive, but I don't think so. I mean, I really don't. I, I you know. <laughs> 
we don't really have the resources. And, and I like to think that that's kind of, you know, I, I mentioned the football guys. I, I don't think they smile well on you. I, I remember years ago uh, we had a transfer from a school I won't mention. This is when I was a Catholic, and he had he had their old playbook. Um, you know, he brought the playbook. I mean, he was at that school, and they didn't get it back from him. And I remember just telling the staff, you know, just throw it in the trash can. We, 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 we just There's no reason for that. Um, and I'm not making it sound like we're saints, but to me, well, I want them to go hard on Michigan. I, I think I think they deserve to be punished. One o'clock, Randolph Macon, Hampton, Sydney, the 128th edition of the game. Coach, good luck this weekend. As always, we appreciate your time. Thank you, Matt. I appreciate you having me on. All right, uh, that is Coach Marty Favret of uh, Hampton, Sydney, and um, yeah, one o'clock. And uh, I, look, look, I think emotion is going to be great in this game. You know, you, you would think half like maybe Randolph Macon's let down a little bit because of the fact that they have everything clinched. They're already, you know, in the ODAC championship or whatever. But when you've got a rivalry game, I think you can throw all that stuff out the window. I think a rivalry game, you it doesn't matter if you have nothing to play for. That's why, I mean, I think Tech and UVA, even though both teams are probably going to be playing for nothing, still they, I mean, I think it's it's the rivalry that keeps this thing going. So it'll be very interesting to see. Obviously, Hampton Sydney six and three, Randolph Macon is nine and zero so far on the season. And if you can't make it out to your game, wherever that may be, go to Ashland. Go figure out a way to get in that stadium and watch uh, the 128th edition of the game between Randolph Macon and Hampton Sydney. And as I said, Coach Pedro Aruza will be on with Bob at 405. Bob and Sean at uh, 405. All right, let's take a timeout. Coming up, we'll do a little talk about the UVA Louisville tonight. What do we kind of expect? And then at uh, around 3.30, we'll uh, play my interview from earlier today with Coach Kurt Signetti. You're listening to 106.1 ESPN. Hi, this is Brady and Harry from ESPN. This is the Sports Huddle with Bob Black on 106.1 ESPN. We're also streaming live at ESPNRichmond.com and on the iHeartRadio app. Call in and talk with Bob anytime at 327-0888. Now, here's Bob Black with the Sports Huddle on 106.1 ESPN. Well, 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 we are in the ESPN Richmond studio today. I wish you could see what I was doing at the moment here in the ESPN Richmond studio. Because I'm having a little uh, technical glitch here. Um, And I can't even hear myself at the moment. But I'll get there, folks. Welcome to the Thursday Sports Huddle. uh, From our ESPN Richmond studio, Bob Black with you here. Um, I think Sean Robertson in the chopper is on his way. But he's, he's not here just yet. Uh, but hopefully he'll be in as we normally do on a Thursday on the program. And we got a lot to get into today. We've got some great college football coming up this weekend. College basketball is underway as well. we got some good games starting to come. There were a lot of games that weren't all that great, quite frankly, to start the season. But that's that's going to get better, um, just as my headset just got better, as a matter of fact. Um, anyway, all right, 804-327-0888. On the program this afternoon, and I'm going to do things in a little bit of a different order. Hopefully you were listening, 
in the 3 o'clock hour. Uh, Matt had two great college football coaches on, quite frankly. It was a, a coach's corner bonanza. Kurt Signetti, who's on regularly with us, was on with Matt. And then before that, Marty Favrep, the uh, longtime, now retiring head coach at Hamden Sydney, was on with him today. And I, tell you, I was listening to that interview in the car on the way over, and I'm like, wow, I can't believe he's retiring. He still sounds so young and still sounds so vibrant in the things that he's talking about. Um, kind of kind of sorry that he is retiring because he's an iconic college football figure in the Commonwealth of Virginia, and he gets one more chance in the game. Saturday at Dayfield up there in Ashland against unbeaten Randolph-Macon. One o'clock kickoff as the Yellow Jackets look for an unbeaten regular season. hamden Sydney's had an excellent year at 6-3. and three. You know, they would like nothing better um, – than to spoil that unbeaten season and, you know, could spoil a playoff run, a deep playoff run anyway, for for Randolph-Macon. So with that as a backdrop, uh, Pedro Ruza is going to join us here in just a moment or so, and we'll preview the Randolph-Macon side of this thing in in the big in the game. They don't even call it big game. It is the game coming up. And there aren't too many teams that have been as good as the Randolph-Macon Yellow Jackets this season. Um, not only this season, but what they have done against Hamden Sydney. Uh, recent history has been dominated by the Yellow Jackets, and they'd certainly like to do it one more time. And their numbers this season are just ridiculous. Our guy Phil Stanton sent us some bullet points from over there at Randolph-Macon on this, uh, you know, Randolph-Macon team primarily, a little bit on the rivalry as well. But their their numbers, both offensively and defensively, are pretty much off the charts. I mean, they're averaging over 50 points a game. And defensively, they're barely giving up 200 yards per contest. So they have been absolutely um, dominant under Pedro Aruza this season. So we're going to get to him uh, really before we do much of anything else this afternoon. In fact, I think Pedro's with us already. So let's get started with that. Um, and we'll talk a little bit more about the game, and then we'll get into the rest of the show as we move along. But it should be the headline this week, right? I mean, this is one of the um, really landmark signature college football games. I don't care what level you're talking about, D1, FBS, FCS, Division II, Division III. Uh, this is one of them, and we're fortunate to have it in our state. Randolph-Macon in Hamden, Sydney, the head coach of the Randolph-Macon Yellow Jackets, joins us to get our show kicked off this afternoon. Pedro Aruza with us on 106.1 ESPN. Coach, good afternoon. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Thanks for being with us. I know you're getting ready to head out to practice, so I appreciate you squeezing us in a little bit here. This may sound like an odd question, but you guys are 9-0, and which means, obviously, you've won every week. Do you feel that your team is getting better each week? I mean, I think there are some weeks you could win a game without getting better. Is Randolph-Macon playing its best football of the season right now? Yeah, I think we are. I think we uh, we always get better as the season goes along, and uh, I think our kids have improved every week, and something we put a lot of stress on. And so I, I would say yes. I do think that uh, we're practicing a lot better, and things are starting to come together a little bit more. You know, you got to remember at the beginning of the year, you know, we we didn't have our starters play really much more than a half for the majority of our, you know, I, I'd say our first, you know, what six games. So. I think it's uh, a little bit hard to get into a rhythm. We don't, you know, do do a whole lot schematically in those games, but uh, 
I do feel like we're uh, we're hitting our stride right now. Is that an all a good news, bad news scenario, um, the way you described the, the first half of the season, or is that pretty much all good news right there? Because when you do get to this point in the season and what's ahead of you, you may have fresher legs than other people. Yeah, no, I, I think it's always good news. I mean, we, we got to play a lot of guys early on in the season and establish a lot of depth. And, you know, I told our kids today in our team meeting, on you know, the more games we can play in the playoffs, the you know the more experience our kids are going to get, and you know a lot of people don't think about it this way, but you know we played a few extra weeks last year, and you know hopefully we'll be doing the same thing again this year. And when you get to do that, you know your kids get more experience, and you know a guy that's a sophomore is really halfway into his junior year, right? Mm-hmm. A guy that's a freshman is halfway, you know, or or a guy that is a sophomore, you know, just has gotten a lot more experience than you normally would have, so. I think these practices are gold. I mean, they're they're really important, and uh, we put a lot of stress on it. And you know, our kids take it very seriously, and our kids are very competitive, and our practices are competitive. And I think we uh, we do improve a lot as the year goes on. Uh, even with uh, that exper- that experience formula that you were kind of detailing to us, you guys are you know by definition experienced. Forty one seniors, seventeen fifth year seniors. I think we talked about this when we had you on earlier, if not at the beginning of the season. How much of an advantage is that for you at this time of the year to have so many guys who pretty much know what's happening um, and understand the importance of November football? Well, I think it's a huge advantage. I mean, it's a huge advantage to have that many seniors and, you know, huge advantage to have that many fifth years. And, you know, one thing I, I told our athletic director yesterday, everybody thinks that, you know, we've got this great competitive advantage because we've got, you know, all these fifth years. Well, you know, that, that was a uh, provision that was made to anybody in the entire country, right? Like anybody could have as many fifth year mm-hmm. seniors as we have, right? Our Our kids just chose to come back and, you know, invest and make the sacrifices that they've made to be a part of our program. We don't have a graduate school here at Randolph-Macon, so it's not like they're all in graduate school. They came back because they love the program, they love their teammates, and they wanted to make the uh, the investment in another year of football here. So, you know, I think that of all the things that we've got going here, I, that, that said a lot to me about the kind of experience that they're having here and, you know, how much they enjoy being a part of the program and, you know, just how committed they are to each other and to the program. So, it, it does uh, make it easy when you go out to practice because so many things get taken care of, and it's a fantastic group of uh, young men that uh, we're you know we're all very fortunate to to get to coach. But uh, yeah, it's it's been a lot of fun. Pedro, the, uh, no ifs ands or buts. You guys are in the playoffs. You you know you're going no matter what happens this weekend. Which to me would make this the classic one week at a time scenario for a coach that uses that cliche week in and week out. Every coach in America uses that. Um, how do you kind of create and present that narrative to your guys this week? Obviously, having a rivalry game as opposed to you know playing some nondescript non-conference opponent probably helps you going into Saturday's game. Yes, no. I mean, yeah, for, you know, I mean, first of all, you know, we, we don't care about the playoffs right now. We, we have a, a huge game ahead of us, and this is a, a big rivalry and something that we talk about all the time and something that we invest a lot in. So, you know, I'm not worried about our guys looking ahead. You know, we, we've got our work cut out for us this week. We're playing a, a really good team with a lot of good players, and, <clears throat> you know, they're well coached. So I, I'm not worried about, you know, what's, what's down the pike. You know, as a coach, you live day to day and you, know, you got your Sunday routine, your Monday routine, your Tuesday routine, and so on and so forth. And, 
you know, right now I think we're we're pretty dialed into that routine. Aside from the X's and O's, is there a formula that you use for this week? As you mentioned, you talk about this game a lot. Um, you know, the signs, the clocks, all of that are up all year long, probably at both schools. Is there an emotional way uh, that you frame this game? Not the X's and O's. Players differ from year to year. Strategy differs. And yet you've the common thread here is the success you've had over the last decade against Hampton Sydney. Yeah, I don't think there's a formula at all. I think that what it really comes down to is fundamentals, right? I mean, you look back over the the history of the series, at least since I've been here, and typically it's the team that, you know, executes the fundamentals the best that wins. You know, we're not, uh, you know, I I think Coach Favret's a good coach. I think that, you know, we've got good coaches on our staff, but, you know, they're – aren't any geniuses in coaching. This isn't a complicated game. And, you know, what you have to do is you have to go out and execute the fundamentals better than the other team. And if you do that, you're going to give yourself a chance. And that's what we stress to our guys, right? At the end of the day, schemes don't win. It's, you know, effort and, and discipline and fundamentals and, you know, playing hard. And those are the things that we really talk about more than anything else. You know, at the beginning, finishing up here with Pedro Ruza, head coach at Randolph-Macon, uh, the game against hamden Sydney Saturday in Ashland at 1 o'clock. We started our conversation by my asking you, you know, are you playing your best football this season? And you talked about some areas that you have improved. Um, specifically, are there things that you have seen, either offensively or defensively, that you, you do like a lot more now than when the season began? Yeah, I mean, I, I think – you know, there's always a process of trying to figure out which pieces fit, you know, best together and how to put things together and what guys do what things best. And, you know, I think that overall it's just developing that, that chemistry. You know, I think right now we're we're tackling pretty well on defense. And, uh, you know, again, it, it's, just, it's just the basic fundamentals. You know, you just kind of get into a rhythm with things and, you know, you figure out what things certain guys can do best and, you know, so I, I can't point to anything specific. I think it, you know, there's certain areas that we talk about every, you know, every single week, and you know, those things we evaluate every week. And I just see us, again, the whole the whole goal at the beginning of the year is that you know you you lift all all summer, you lift all winter, you lift all spring, and you know, then a lot of teams come into the season and they let that stuff go by the wayside because they get distracted by other things. And you know, our kids are still lifting hard in the weight room, and we're still, you know spending a lot of time on the mental part of the game and, you know, just doing all the little things that we talk about. I think it's a year-round commitment that, you know, helps our program be as good as it is. Last one, Pedro. For the last time, you will look across the field Saturday and see Coach Favret. You mentioned him a little bit earlier. Any thoughts or emotions there, knowing that that uh, he won't be on the Hamden-Sydney sideline after Saturday's game? Uh, no emotions, really. I mean, I, I don't look across the field very often. I try to focus on our team and, and what we're doing. He's you know, obviously had a a great career, and we, you know, have a lot of respect for what he's done and what he's accomplished there. And, you know, certainly certainly wish him the best, but, you know, I've got my own set of problems over here to deal with, to worry about who's retiring or what's going to happen. Um, you know, great great career. He's done a great job there, and, of course, I wish, uh, I wish him the best. Pedro, good luck Saturday against Hamden Sydney in the game, and then hopefully we'll talk to you during your playoff run that begins after next week's game. Pedro, thanks. Thank you. Take care. Pedro Aruza, head coach of the Randolph Making Yellow Jackets. I think they're getting ready to get right out on the practice field, as a matter of fact. And, um, you know, that is kind of his MO. That is kind of his. 
his signature there as he keeps pretty steady, even keeled, almost flatlined uh, pretty much along the way as we talk to him from time to time during the course of the season. His demeanor really has not changed over the years. And, um, you know, who know, you know, we're not thinking about the playoffs. I don't know about that at this point. We'll, we'll see, you know, moving forward. Um, you know, how they approach that. I think it really helps to have a rivalry game this week where you can play it like a playoff game uh, as opposed to if it was a non-conference game or an opponent that's struggling in your conference where you may kind of take the foot off the gas as the game goes along and make sure everybody's healthy and ready to go for the postseason. Um, but it does appear as though they're playing their best football right now and should be in good shape uh, after this week. And, of course, it'll be an emotional day for them with all those seniors playing their final game, uh, final regular season home game for the Randolph-Macon Yellow Jackets. All right, uh, quarter after four on the Sports Huddle. That gets us going. Here's where we are going this afternoon. Here's what's coming up on today's Sports Huddle. Just a huge fan of sports. This is the River City Rundown. Which is presented by the Richmond chapter of the American Red Cross. If you're looking to join a great local organization, the Red Cross is holding a hiring event this coming Tuesday, the 14th of November. All you got to do is stop by the Red Cross headquarters at 2825 Emerywood Parkway between 830 and 5. That's this coming Tuesday, November 14th. To learn more about the open positions that they have, benefits, and how you can set up an in-person interview, visit redcross.org. And speaking of that, we're going to speak with the guy in the know. If you want more information on that, not only can you go to the website, but you can keep it locked in and tuned right here because Jonathan McNamara from the American Red Cross is going to join us in the 5 o'clock hour, about 5.15. We'll do some American Red Cross talk, most importantly. And then, of course, if you've been listening to our program for a while now you've heard j mac on with us before uh jmu guy uh couldn't be a better time to talk with a jmu guy than right now considering what they've been doing on the football field the basketball upset win over michigan state the men's soccer victory over number one central florida the women's soccer team getting into the nca tournament you know they got a lot of good things going on right now so we'll give j mac an opportunity to pound his chest a little bit after we get done talking about the serious stuff uh with the american red cross and their hiring event that they've got coming next Tuesday. Beyond that, we're open. 804-327-0888 gets you on the air. Uh, 327-0888 also our text line and we'll get into all the other topics that we've been talking about this week we got college football including tonight with virginia playing louisville on the road uh we've got uh, richmond and elon on saturday both vcu and richmond are home friday night for vcu saturday night for the spiders so we got plenty of college basketball talk as well and oh yeah as i promised my buddy jerry yesterday when he called in at the end of the show and said, I watched the VCU, I didn't see anything different from years gone by, a different coach, all of that. And I said, you know what, Jerry, I'm going to watch. I'm going to watch. I'll go back and watch some of that VCU game because I didn't see it because the Spiders were playing at the same time. So I got some thoughts. I've watched about uh, 30 of the 40 minutes of that game with McNeese State. was able to catch it last night, a little bit this morning as well so we'll dive more into that and we had some callers and texters you know kind of up in arms about vcu and losing that first game to mcneese state so kind of the palms down here relax everybody take a deep breath it's the first game of the season let's see how this thing plays out before we uh we walk out to the ledge nobody's jumping off of the ledge figuratively certainly not literally but figuratively not jumping off of that ledge we're jumping to a break back on the other side sports auto 1061 espn 
Let's get social. Follow us on X and Instagram at ESPN Richmond. And find us on Facebook by searching ESPN Richmond. Don't miss a thing from your home for sports in Richmond. 1061 ESPN. All right, welcome back. Bob Black back with you. Sports Huddle for 22 on a Thursday afternoon. Let's go to the phones before we do anything else. Um, Bill is on the line following our conversation with Randolph Macon head coach, Pedro Arusa. Hello, Bill. Hey, Bob. How you doing, man? I'm great now that I'm talking to you, Bill. How are you? Yes, sir. Uh, well, on the behalf of all the Yellow Jackets in the area and far away, I want to thank you for interviewing Pedro. Uh, he has done in 20 years just an awesome job, of course, and uh, he is a good, good, good Christian guy. He's a great football coach, and uh, he, like you said, he's hard-nosed, <laughs> and the kids know that, and they love him for that. So, And all of the supporters love him for it, too. Bill, not that there's anything wrong with this, and I love Randolph Macon and I love Ashland, but why do you think he has stayed 20 years at Randolph Macon? Do you think his phone has rung at any point in those 20 years? Of course it has, yes. But I think when he came to Randolph Macon and established himself and bought himself a home there in Ashland, and not very many people like to leave the center of the universe. <laughs> <laughs> and you don't let just anybody in. You need to be like Pedro Aruza to get into the center of the universe, don't you, Bill? No, no, no. You can come in. Anybody can come in. You might have a hard time getting out, but you can come in. Very good. Very Thank good. You, Bob. All right, Bill. Thank you. Appreciate it. Always check in with us. Hey, have a good one, buddy. All right. Hey, God bless. Thanks. And they're feeling really good up there. They've won nine in a row against Hamden Sydney. So. You know, but he he was laser focused. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Look, the two coaches we've talked to uh, today. I, look, I thought Marty Favret was great, as I said with with Matt, um, with a little bit of a different cadence and a little bit of a different style. Who knows? Maybe the weight of his world of the world is off his shoulders because he he he's finishing up after this week. But in listening to Kurt Signetti at JMU and Pedro Aruza at Randolph making kind of the same tone and texture to what they were saying and how they were saying it. Um, and they answer your questions, make no mistake about that, but they don't give you a lot of fluff, not a lot of emotion in there, just solid football answers for the most part. And, you know, uh, the Kurt Signetti thing, uh, his name's going to get thrown out there. I asked, you know, Bill about Pedro Ruza and why hasn't he answered the phone if it's been ringing from any other schools? Um, D2, D1, FCS, um, whatever the jump might be. And I have no problem with it. Look, I've been in Richmond for 40 years. Um, so I have no problem with it at all with him staying right there. It's just, you know, you figure the temptation probably was there at, at some point in time. That's that's all. And, you know, with Kurt Signetti, I think that's going to happen this year. I, I really do. I think someone's going to come calling. Uh, we, we went through kind of a, a list of teams earlier a few weeks ago that might. And I'm not necessarily trying to stir the pot here. Uh, but, look, they're 9-0, and probably en route to 12-0. and 
and who knows what's going to happen after that. We can get into that whole conversation as well because I'm going to be in the very small minority, maybe the one uh, in the minority, that if that's what the guidelines are this year, that's the guidelines, and you just play by them. Um, the, the record didn't matter. It just uh, – I don't know. We can get into that. But, I, I again, if they, if they do get the waiver approved, I'm good with it. I'm fine. Good for them. And I hope they go win a bowl game and at whatever high level they can, they can do it. But they went into this thing with eyes wide open. Um, unless – I would love to read the fine print of the probation. And let's remember, that's kind of what it is. It's a probationary period. Uh, it happens in the real world in work, right? You get put on a 90-day probation. I'm not sure too many uh, workplaces take you off that 90 days because you've been good for 70 of them. And, you know, they eliminate – maybe they do. And eliminate the last 20 – I don't know. So unless there was something in what they looked at and signed to make the move from FCS to FBS that said, look, if you're having a great college football season and you're undefeated and you're selling out your stadium every week, by the time we get to November, we're going to change it. I don't know. And there are plenty of other schools out there who would be impacted by JMU's eligibility to go to a bowl game when they otherwise weren't thinking about JMU as one of those teams. Not that they could do anything about it, necessarily. And plenty of other schools have been in this situation where they had to sit out and wait whatever the guideline was that was in place, whether that would be Georgia Southern or Georgia State or Old Dominion or App State or Sam Houston or any of them that recently have made the move from FCS to FBS. Um, and again, I know that's an unpopular opinion and an unpopular thought, but I just don't know that being 9-0 and was the reason that they would waive the probationary period. And they have done everything right. I got nothing against anything that they've done. So keep doing it right until the end of the two years, and then you're going to be free and clear to go play in the Sunbelt Championship game and go to as high a bowl as you can. And look, I still think they're uh, two things. Two things. Uh, I still think they're going to a bowl. I think there will be enough mediocre teams that there won't be enough six win teams eligible. It probably won't be as high a bowl as they deserve or could have played in with the record that they have in the national ranking that they have. That that's number one. So I still think they're they're going to a bowl. Number two, as much as Kurt Signetti feels they're being wronged, and he does. He said it to Matt today. I think he and his players, and this starts with him because he is so good at compartmentalizing, uh, really good at it. Uh, I think they're at peace with themselves, and I loved his comment to Matt about the bowl game is not the holy grail for him and his team. That's great. It's good, and they're aiming for it, and they want it. But there are plenty of memories and highlights to be made through a 12-game season. And to finish it 12-0, and and he didn't say that part because all he's thinking about is getting to 10-0. But to finish 12-0, and maybe that's the holy grail for James Madison this season. So I think his team is at peace with this. I don't think they're happy with it. I think the players that we've talked to have handled themselves extremely well in how they've framed it. And so has Coach Signetti. And as I said, make no mistake about it, he thinks the NCAA is wronging them. He wants to be going to a bowl. 
Um, he's glad his administration has made the moves that is made and sent the letters that is sent. But I also believe they are absolutely at peace with where they are in this season and what's ahead of them in the next three weeks, and then potentially a bowl game if there aren't enough eligible eligible teams out there. So unpopular opinion, but that's my opinion on this thing. Unless somebody puts you know, that legislation in front of me and somewhere in there it says, we will reevaluate you if you're really, you know, checking every box halfway through year number two. Now, I, I also agree it's becoming an antiquated rule and it needs to be changed. I do understand the probationary period, and maybe it's a year instead of two because the other thing that they have done is they've changed the entrance fee. They used to make it very easy financially to move from FCS to FBS. It was like $5,000. Like, you know, I could write that, you know, I'd have to like work extra hours, but I could write that check, you know, myself. I think a lot of people could. Now it's like $5 million to make that jump from FCS to FBS. So if you have that kind of money as an FCS program, you probably deserve a shorter probationary period. You have already proven that you have the coffers, that you have the bank account to be able to succeed and be competitive um, and you know keep your head above water at the FBS level with that kind of an entrance fee. I think that changes the, the script a little bit, but I don't think JMU was playing under that script. I think, obviously, they've been there for a year now, so it was probably the $5,000 figure. I could be way off base on this, and somebody from JMU can call and tell me that. I, I, that'd be great. But I do think with that new entrance fee, the probationary period should be reduced. But like I said, at the moment, you know, that's kind of what they signed up for. Um, yeah, you know, like I said, if if the NCA does you know change the waiver for them, I'm not going to be jumping up and down saying that's ridiculous. I'm not, uh, you know, I get it, and I feel good for their players and their coaches who have busted their butts to get to where they are. I'm just not one that that believe first, and I don't believe, and I hope I don't get in trouble for this. I don't believe politicians should be getting involved in this, which has happened, um, and that uh, that's not saying I'm for or against. I just don't think politicians should be getting involved in that situation. But they're getting involved in virtually everything with the NCAA right now, so I guess why not that? I just – I'm not in on that one either. The last thing I'm going to say on Kurt Signetti, then we'll take a break. I do think there are FBS jobs, offers, or at least inquiries to interview that are coming his way. And if my school decides to make a coaching change, and I think that's likely – meaning Syracuse. I, I just think Dino Babers has done all he can do there and they're still not successful and it's probably time for a new voice there. I I would be jumping up and down for Kurt Signetti at Syracuse. Um, just a solid football guy. Um, he's a winner. Uh, you know, he's got, it's a family business with him and I, I think he could do wonders up there at Syracuse. I, I really do. Um, so yeah, that I would be jumping up and down for. All right, 4.33, Lewis is starting to jump up and down over there saying, go to the break, go to the break, which we're going to do. We don't have a guest here at the bottom of the hour, so I was able to go a little bit longer, and we'll catch up here on the other side. Text me. I think there's some texts coming in, 804-327-0888, um, or call in, 804-327-0888. Just past the bottom of the hour at 4 o'clock, about 4.34, 4.35, on a Thursday afternoon live from our ESPN Richmond Studios. Back in a moment on 1061 ESPN.
All right, welcome back. Uh, Sports Huddle, 438 on um, Thursday afternoon. Um, I messed up on the Sean Roberts in front today. Uh, as I said, normally he's in with me on, on Thursdays and co-hosts. And uh, there are occasions when when work gets in the way of fun and games of doing this show in the studio. And he did tell me, but uh, Sean's actually on the air this evening. He's down in Hampton, got a college basketball game he's doing over there on Flow Sports. Might have to check him out. Um, he's got the Hampton game tonight, and he did tell me that. So I knew he wasn't going to be here today, and I just got so much going on right now, I guess. Should have put it on my calendar and I failed to do that. So you just got me this afternoon. And, Lewis, you got me in the studio, even though Sean's not here. So, you know, you might crack that mic from time to time and rescue me a little bit. <laughs> so, Lewis, just I want, want everybody to hear the voice. I don't hear the voice. Uh-oh, I didn't hear your voice in there. You there? Yeah, Bob, you're we, the man. There we go. Show. I'm glad to be a part of it. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you for keeping us going and keeping us straight. So uh, we'll have you chime in here. You'll play the role of Sean Robertson today. That Those are big shoes to fill for sure. I was really looking forward to talking with Sean about the whole VCU thing. He did the game on Masson and ESPN Plus on, on Monday night, the VCU game against McNeese State, and I want to get into that a little bit as well. All right, let me get to the text line. Uh, and I've got a, an adamant JMU fan who's all over me for this one, and I get it. I do. Um, so I'm going to read it. And again, uh, and and I, I even during the commercial break, I went and found the letter that NCAA President uh, Charlie Baker sent. I don't know if it was to JMU or to the Attorney General. I think it was to the Attorney General when he, he made the request as well, which again I think is out of their realm. I do. I just think this is a, you know, all all the power to the JMU president and athletic director um, for for going through the proper channels to go through the waiver process. I'm all for that, but I I would like it to stay uh, within those means. All right, so Bob, you're wrong on JMU. First of all, it's an opinion. I'm not sure there's a right or a wrong, but anyway, a waiver process exists for a reason. Which, correct me if I'm wrong, but they've already been through the waiver process once. Uh, Bob, you're wrong on JMU. I can't believe you take a position in the other side of what is best for the student-athlete. I'm not trying to do that. I'm not trying to penalize the student-athlete at all. I'm just trying to look at the bigger picture of this entire thing beyond just the JMU approach. Remarkable. You've lost a lot of respect in my eyes. I'm, I'm sorry for that. Uh, just giving my opinion. Shameful. Clearly, your Richmond bias coming out. I don't know that there's any Richmond bias to be had here at all. Uh, Richmond and JMU don't play anymore. I got no problem with the people at JMU. You can ask any of them how much I like and respect the people at JMU and even did when we were button heads in football and basketball and baseball and every other sport out there. And I love the JMU people because they actually give us, and in this case I'll take my Richmond hat off and put my ESPN hat on, they give us us access to their coaches and student athletes so i got no axe to grind whatsoever whatsoever with jmu and i have always said that'd be a great school for kids to go to is is in harrisonburg at james madison so i do not have a bias against um james madison at all and again they have given us such great access look um, we had mark byington on the air the day after they beat michigan state you know that was unbelievable 
to be able to, you know, he's got, as he said to Matt when he did that interview, and I'm going off course a little bit here, uh, you know, he had like 400 texts after they beat Michigan State. And yet through their communications and PR people, uh, Matt was able to have, and it may have even been set up before the Michigan State game. I don't even know. Um, but And even if it was, for him to still, you know, hold that on his calendar and do it, uh, all the respect in the world and like for James. And I can even like him more now because Richmond doesn't play them. Um, hardly in anything. I mean, I think they play some non-conference games in some sports, but certainly you haven't seen them in football or or men's basketball. That's for sure. Um, so yeah, I would differ with you on my Richmond buying coming bias coming out. You know, if you want to poke holes at my opinion and my thoughts here, that's fine. But I don't think it's a a Richmond bias. Um, bitter, we far eclipsed you in football and now basketball. Um, I would argue both of those. Number one, we never were trying to get to FBS in football. That was great that you guys went. Richmond never had it as a design. So I don't – eclipsing us in football is like a non-starter there. Richmond is very comfortable where it is at the FCS level and never had intent or design on going to the FBS level. And I would argue the basketball one as well. Uh, it's getting better at James Madison, but um, I don't know that it's it's – there yet if you want to go back to the days of lefty giselle versus dick tarrant now we can have something to talk about for sure um but and, and i lo- again love mark byington i uh, thought he was a great player unc wilmington great coach and you know i was rooting for him the other night against michigan state so let me get off of that one but there there is no richmond biased here against jmu you could have put any school in there and i think my opinion would have been the same I, I, you know, like any of those schools that I mentioned, App State, Georgia Southern, Georgia State, Sam Houston, uh, you know, any of them that have made the move up from FCS to FBS, I would have said the same thing. You need to rethink this quickly. Mm, I don't think anything quickly anymore, so that's tough to do. And apologize. I'm not apologizing for my point of view and for my opinion for taking a position that does nothing but negatively impact student-athletes. As I said, uh, this is a probationary period, and I do believe these student-athletes are finding ways to make this a really good college experience that they're having. The JMU admin was told there was a waiver process and that a waiver request would be treated fairly. The NCA denied it without explanation. I don't think that's true. I'm not sure the explanation was great, but I think it was there. It was there in the letter that uh, Mr. Baker sent to the Attorney General in Virginia. Uh, We play a full FBS schedule last year. The inability to do that was one of the biggest restrictions that justified a two-year restriction. And I will give the Sunbelt Conference an awful lot of credit for doing that for JMU because they made them a conference member last year, even though they were ineligible. Also now with the transfer portal rules changed, there is no, albeit slight, advantage an FCS team may have. Uh, With transfers not having to sit out a year and then moving up, I'll leave it at this. When has the NCAA ever been right? Infrequently, we do agree on that. Um, The NCAA has infrequently been right. There are a couple of instances. Well, I, you know, again, I'm I'm probably giving the old guy argument here a little bit. Is that the side you really want to be on? Penalize student athletes for what benefit or purpose? There is none. They should approve the waiver or provide a good reason why not. Shameful of you. I appreciate all the texts, and I know I hit a, a hot button on that. So the NCA has done some good things. Let's not get carried away there. Uh, for the most part, they have been overmatched 
in the changing times. There's no doubt about that. The unraveling of college athletics due to the transfer portal and to the NIL um, will be at the top of the list and can never be erased. I, I absolutely agree with that. But probably smaller things like the um, four-game rule in college football where freshmen or any any year, if you haven't redshirted yet, you can play four games and still hold on to your redshirt year. I think that's a pretty good rule. And they even you know amended that by saying at the FCS level, you can play all the playoff games that your team plays and we won't count those. So you literally could play nine games and keep your redshirt year. I think that's a pretty good rule that is to the advantage of the student-athlete as well, right? If you play your four games and you have to play that first game in the NCAA-FCS playoff and then you run the table as highly as unlikely as that might be to the championship game, you could play nine games and not give up your your redshirt. I think that's a pretty good rule. I am absolutely in favor of of this second-time transfer, you've got to sit out a year. And I do hope, other than the most extenuating circumstances, that the NCAA holds its ground. And the kid from North Carolina, to me, was in extenuating circumstances. Uh, the, the football player, his name is uh, – I'm blanking on at the moment. He did deserve to play. They went through the waiver process on that. And eventually they did clear him, and he is playing for North Carolina. That one I, I did agree with, but I do think for the most part, I hope the NCAA kind of holds its ground on this one so we don't have the amount of transferring that we have. I think that's really bad for the student athlete. I think it's bad for the programs. I think it's bad for college athletics in general that we have kids that are playing on their fourth, sometimes fifth team because we've had you know guys with six years because of the COVID thing, that's going to go away in another year. Uh, it's just, it's really hard for a fan base to grab on to a team and its players when they're changing as much as they have been changing. I'm not blaming the players, to be honest with you. They're just using the rule to the best of their ability, but I think it's too much. I think at some point you need to stop and say, All right, I'm going to try and make this thing work uh, here before I before I jump again. That's just so I think that that's another good rule from the NCAA. And again, here's what I'm saying. Play by the rules that are in stake. If they present a good enough argument here, and some of this is going to go beyond what we know, and I just think it has to go beyond the fact that they're 9-0. and um, I don't know. Uh, that, that's just my feeling on it. Let me take a break here, try and catch my breath a little bit. Um, I'm going to read through this letter again and see if there's a paragraph or two that I might throw back out at you from Charlie Baker. Um, you know, and, and again, we'll see what they come up with. As I said, if they do get cleared to play, I'm okay with that. Uh, they obviously found something that enabled them to change their mind because they were pretty adamant, they being the NCAA, that JMU, like every other FCS school that moved up, would have to abide by the guidelines that were previously in place. 10 of 5 on the sports audio. You got to start yelling at me, Lois. You can yell at me on the air if you want to to get to the breaks. Let's get to the break. We'll come back on the other side, get to the top of the hour. 1061 ESPN. This is Sports. I'm Kevin Richard, week number 10 of the National Football League opening tonight. The 1 7 Carolina Panthers visiting the 2 7 Chicago Bears. 
Bears head coach Matt Eberflus, what is the status of your quarterback, Justin Fields, as he recovers from a thumb injury? Right now we're listing him as doubtful, and uh, we'll see where it goes from there. If he's not medically cleared, well, how come doubtful versus hour? Yeah, just to see. we got to give him one more day. Give him one more day, but he's uh, he's working hard, and uh, it's getting better every day, so we'll see where it goes. He's not playing. Yeah, he's not playing. What? Yeah, what? All right, in case you missed him, Tyson Bajant will get another start for Chicago. That's the layman's terms of that. Bears three-point home favorites according to the ESPN bet. The total is 38 and a half. They'll kick Soldier Field 815 Eastern time. If you think 38 and a half is a low point total, that's nothing compared to Saturday between Iowa and Rutgers. The consensus total is 28. If it stays there, that would be the lowest total of any college football game since the year 2000 according to the ESPN stats and information. Also on Saturday, number seven, Texas visits TCU, 7.30 Eastern ABC. The Longhorns will get the return of Quinn Ewers, a quarterback, after missing the last two games with a sprained shoulder. Home, auto, prized sports memorabilia. Whatever you need to protect, GEICO can help get you covered. And with the award-winning GEICO mobile app, you can get 24-7 claim support and on-the-go policy access. It's easy to GEICO. Go to GEICO.com today.